Hello, Senior Pastor. Welcome back. Happy to be with you this morning. Hello, Pastor Ho. God bless you for all that you have done. And may he continue to bless your efforts and your ministry. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Um, God's suffering servant. That's going to be the topic or the lesson for today. And it was, it was quite fitting uh, to actually start out this year with this particular subject or topic. Um, I think it's kind of a reminder. That we could actually take this lesson and actually preach the same lesson or teach the same lesson in, um, in uh, what, March or April? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, during Easter. But I think it's quite fitting to actually refocus as we're beginning the new year as to who Jesus is, uh, who Jesus was, who Jesus is to us, and the things that he did for us by way of the cross. Um, so this lesson is going to help us to reflect on the suffering Jesus endured to redeem sinners and praise God for him. Praise God for him. Um, we know that Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sin against God. Uh, that was the ultimate reason or purpose why he came. And in Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was up on him, and with his stripes we are healed. So there we see his purpose. He was wounded, why? For our transgressions. He was bruised, why? For our iniquities. Um, but with his stripes we are so we're going to be getting into that uh, a little later on. Um, as usual, uh, we divide up the section. Um, we'll divide up the lesson into three sections, despised and rejected. And we'll see that through Isaiah 52, uh, verse 13, through uh, Isaiah 53, verse 3. Um, he was wounded for our transgressions, Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 9. And then he was bruised and exalted by God, Isaiah 53, verses 10 through 12. So um, we're going to be looking into this. And there is some, you know, there are some theories out there as to whether this related to Jesus or not. But the vast majority of theologians and scholars do believe that this is true. I mean, who else would they be talking about? Who else would this um, prophet be talking about. So we are adopting that same um, thought that this scripture was about Jesus Christ and him crucified. Um, Old Testament prophecies revealed the coming Messiah would be a suffering servant providing salvation, a suffering servant providing salvation. These prophets also understood Christ's suffering would come at the hands of those whom he was seeking to save. Imagine coming to your own, saying that, hey, I'm here to help you, I'm here to save you, and uh, you, you, know, you experience the suffering um, that they actually doled out to Christ. It's, it's unthinkable. It's unbelievable. Imagine going to your own, saying, I have something for you, 
and then being rejected, being abused, being talked about, being criticized, being beat up by the very same people you came to save. This was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what he went through. Early in his earthly ministry, Jesus began to prepare his disciples to expect the suffering that would befall him. He also made it clear his suffering was in keeping with the will of God and that he himself freely volunteered to suffer and die for his people's sake. Through the shedding of his blood, listen to this, through the shedding of his blood, Jesus made eternal salvation available to all people, he gave his life as a ransom to make remission of sin possible. Eternal blessings await all who repent of their sin and believe in this suffering servant. Since Jesus bore our sins, he bestows his righteousness on us when we believe in him. And that basically says that even though we, we are unrighteous, Jesus bestows his righteousness upon us so that we can be justified so that we can be made right in the sight of God. God could dole out judgment. I mean, we've said this constantly, that God could pass judgment on each and every one of us, whether individually or collectively as a group, as a people, as a nation, as a world. But for whatever reason, and we know this, again, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that he's withholding his judgment He's withholding his punishment because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's our grace. That's the mercy that has been extended unto us. So we are in a grace period, and I know that there are some talks that the quote-unquote grace dispensation that we talk about is a fallacy. But we are under grace. This is the grace period, just like when we have a bill that is due and they give us a grace period, it's the same thing. We have a debt that is due, but God, through his infinite love for us, has extended that period of grace so that we can accept him as our Lord and Savior and walk in the freedom of salvation that he has offered through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So this, this atonement that, that has happened for our sins has been shed abroad to everyone, the whosoever will. And uh, as we go into this lesson further, we're going to see what happened to Jesus on behalf of us, on behalf of the transgressors, on behalf of the sinners. That's us, um, each and every one of us. Uh, we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And here we're going to learn through the book of Isaiah what Jesus actually did for us because he was despised and rejected. Senior Pastor. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And um, we join with um, Isaiah in calling him God's suffering servant. Although he was the son of God, Jesus, the Messiah, he was God's suffering servant. He did something that Abraham couldn't do, Isaac couldn't do, Moses couldn't do, David couldn't do, but he was sent here to suffer. 
And and Pastor O, as we look at the lesson, what what the lesson we have to start a new year. We thought 2020 was rough and have expectation for a better 2020. But our lesson today leads us down a path of Christ's suffering, his vicarious suffering, his rejection, his crucifixion, his burial, and resurrection. And um, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. If he hadn't shed his blood, there would be no salvation. Remember that they used to have to go to the priest once a year with um, dove blood or goat blood or ephah blood. And the priest would have to go into the holiest of holy in order for them to be forgiven. But without the shedding of his blood, not the goat blood, not the ephah blood, without, not the turtle dove blood, but without the shedding of his blood, there would be no remission, no forgiveness of our sins. Although we see him, and we're going to see him today, despised, rejected, forsaken, we take hope, and I repeat, we take hope that it was for our salvation. I'm suffering some discomfort right now because perhaps of my stupidity, because of something that I did that I should not have done. And um, I'm bearing the pain of that. But he didn't do that because of stupidity, because of something that he didn't do. Remember, even in the garden, when he felt the cares and the pangs of the world upon his shoulder, he begged, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So he did it for our salvation. So as my brother in Tampa used to say, look up. There is victory ahead. Whatever you're going through, whatever your situation, look up. There is victory in the resurrection, in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So here today, the prophet Isaiah deals with the suffering, humiliation, and exaltation of Jesus, servant, son of God. And Isaiah said it in Isaiah 52. He says that he was despised and rejected. Isaiah 52, 13 to 14, we find him disfigured. Oh, how they did him so bad. They parted his, his garment. They cost lot. They boxed him. They gave him his cross to carry. And when he fell down, they whipped him. Oh, my friend, they whipped him all night long. But here, as I said, oh, yes, as we deal with the humiliation, exaltation of the servant, meaning Jesus Christ, he willingly fulfilled the will of God through his life, death, and resurrection. We don't see it that way. We see it as living a good life living in a big house, and we constantly say that driving a nice car, being somebody that is being respected 
by the society. But that's not what he came for. He came to die. He came to give, give his life a ransom. And here Isaiah, in verse 13, he said, Behold, look, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled. Although you do him the way you're doing him, although you mocked him, although you parted his garment, although you nail his hands and his feet, although you run a spear through his side, he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As verse 14, as many were astonished at thee, his visage, his face, was so, his countenance was so marred more than any man that is formed more than the sons of men. Thy servant live wisely. Oh, yes, a light lived for the glory of God. And listen here, children, a life lived for the glory of God, not in luxury. Amen. Not in a palace, not as being president of the United States, not as being governor of Florida, but a life lived for the glory of God. And it doesn't mean that you won't suffer, but those who suffer with him shall reign with him. A life lived for the glory of God is a successful life. Who can tell you that whatever you're going through right now is not what God wants you to be? Moses, and we always use him, chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to live in the pleasures of sin for a season. He had it all. He could enjoy it all. He could be king. Amen. Using all military equipment. But he chose to suffer for God. If you suffer with him, you will reign with him. Live life to the glory of God so that it will be a successful life. Whatever you're going through, don't, don't aim to live rich and for people to crown you as the best doctor, as the best teacher, as the best entrepreneur, as the best cab driver, as the best that, but live a life that is pleasing to God. In all of his suffering, crowned with thorns, buffeting, crowned with thorns, scourging, nailed to the cross, plus the burden of the world's sin, which had a terrible effect on his body. His appearance, his appearance, his face was so disfigured. We watched the movie, and we see how they put the crown of thorns on his head, and we see how they humiliate him. We see how they disfigured his face, and we saw all of that. But my friend, he was seated at the right hand of God. It had a terrible effect on his body. As what I went through had a terrible effect on my body. I'm healing and I'm getting better. But oh, my friend, there was no healing for him until he was laid in the grave. Oh, praise the Lord. Until he conquered death and hell. And he said, I have the keys. He did not look like a man. Oh, and they said that when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. There is no beauty that we should want to be with him. It was a wonderful 
privilege to be able to share God's good news with others, the news of redemption, the news of salvation and peace. To, to whom do you need to give the good news? Somebody needs to hear. Thy servant Christ would be disfigured, but through his suffering, you would cleanse the nation. Praise God. Oh, yes. For when they pierced his side and water and blood gushed out, it was for the healing of the nation. And by his stripes, we are healed. And listen to him in his unattracted form. Isaiah said in verse 1 of chapter 53, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He had no form, nor comeliness. And when we see him, oh yes, we are talking about, oh, I want to see him, to look upon his face. But when they saw him, there was no beauty that they desired him. This handsome Jews, Jew, marred, scarred, abused, disfigured, and killed. Most people refuse to accept the message of the prophet. Oh, yes. They were looking for hope. They were looking for a Messiah. But he didn't give them what they were expecting. They were expecting someone who would set up an earthly kingdom. But his kingdom was not of this world. His kingdom was spiritual. Not only that, his physical appearance was not winsome. And he suffered not only that, his physical appearance was not winsome. He suffered by his self-giving. We're often guilty of judging others by their outward appearance, failing to see their inner qualities that reveal the right person. It was necessary that Jesus came into this world clothed in human flesh. He had to become like us for us to be like him. Can I say that one more time? He had to become like us for us to become like him. Do you want to be like him today? To be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him. The Apostle Paul wrote, for he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Oh, yes, they hatefully rejected him, but he still loved them for God so loved the world that he, might, that he gave his only begotten son. Verse 3 of chapter 53, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow. Listen, men, and listen, women, a man of sorrow. That's what he had. That's what lays his pathway. <clears throat> a man of sorrow. And he was acquainted with grief. How is your life? How is your part? How is your day going? How is your job going? How is your life going? Do you want riches? Or do you want to be like him? Despised. Rejected of men. Man of sorrow. <clears throat> and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. Oh, yes, by those who seek to crucify him. And we esteemed him not. When a cord was given choice 
as to whom should be released. <coughs> they have the choice of a murderous rebel, rebel, or Jew, or Jesus. The crowd chose wicked Barabbas. Give me Barabbas. They took water. Pilate did, and he washed his hands. And he said, I have nothing to do with this man. You see to it. The Romans nailed Jesus to a cross between two thieves. And many considered him the worst of the three. He was the one they mocked as they passed by. Oh, yes. <coughs> and and he, it was written that he must suffer many things. St. Mark say that. John the Baptist say that. Christ, a man of sorrow, carried the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. Paul wrote, for he, God, had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that, that he might be made the righteousness of God. I think we need to repeat that. He was made sin for us who knew no sin. No matter what people say, he was this and he was that, and he was a wine-bibber, not so. And he was this and he was that. He had no sin. He was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's what he's trying to do. He's still working on me to make me into what he wants me to be. He's still working on you that you may be made the righteousness of God in him. And nothing is better than that. To be right, we are righteous when we are right with God. We are righteous when we have the right relationship with God. The writer of Hebrews acquainted Christ acquaintance with grief. He said in, in um, chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, Oh, yes, he said, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. And he calls us. He said, Let us therefore come boldly, Come boldly, come without fear unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 to 16. Oh, yes, the song says, come ye sinners. Oh, yes, lost and lonely. Come ye Sinners, lost and only, Jesus' blood can make you free. For he saved the worst among you when he saved a wretch like me. And I know, do you know this morning? And I know, yes, I know, Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner free. Some of us were vile. Wretched and vile as could be, but yet he reached down his hand for us. Sandy Grant says, ultimately, we cannot understand the full meaning of the cross. We can only stand in silence before it, acknowledge its wonders, and submit to it, his power. On a hill far away with an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Yes, my friends, 
he was wounded for you and for me. Come to him today. Accept him today. Oh, yes, Jesus' blood can make the vilest sinner free. Take it away, Pastor Ho. Wounded for our transgression. Taking our place, said Isaiah. Praise the Lord. Amen. And he took, he took our place. He was wounded for our transgressions. And Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 says, that he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. There are two things that we get from this suffering servant. The first thing is that it was vicarious, and the second thing, it was victorious. That which he did on the cross was vicarious, and victorious, vicarious meaning that he took our place of suffering, and victorious in that he was victor over suffering. So not only did he take our place in the suffering that we should have experienced, but he was victorious over the suffering that we should have experienced. That's the only way he could have cleared the path for our salvation to be free. We didn't have to pay anything for it, but he did. He paid everything that he had on the cross, his life for us, for our sins, for our trespasses, for our transgressions. And out of his incomparable love for us. And because we did not have the strength to bear our own sins and griefs, Jesus bore them for us. What a weight. He lifted from our shoulders. What a weight. He lifted from our shoulders. Idle gods could not rescue the people from the weight of their grief. But our God, is able to bear our sins and sorrows through the Lord Jesus Christ. Sinful people regarded him who bore our sins and griefs as a deceiver, a drunkard, a blasphemer, and a friend of godless people. Let me say that again. There were sinful people that regarded Jesus who bore our sins and griefs. They considered him a deceiver, a drunkard, a blasphemer, and a friend of godless people. And because of that, they crucified him. They gave to him the glory and praise he deserved. They thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. Jesus was wounded For the wrong we did. I want you to understand that. Jesus was wounded for the wrong we did. All the pain and punishment he endured was because of our evil deeds. He did not suffer for his own sins. We must remember that. He did not suffer because of something he did. Because he had no sin. He had none. Peter described Jesus as the one who did no sin 
neither was guile found in his mouth. The chastisement by which our peace is secured was laid upon him, which he willingly bore that we might be reconciled to God and obtain eternal salvation. That was the end result, so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. When we read Isaiah's words about the wounds, bruises, blows, and suffering, even unto death that Jesus endured, we might wonder, what did the Son of God do to deserve this horrible treatment? What did he do? The answer is nothing. He willingly did it all for us. Willingly. Would you have done what he did for a friend? a neighbor, a spouse, a child? Would you? Would you have endured what he endured? The wounds, the bruises, the blows, the suffering, even unto death. Would you have done what Jesus did? Being accused falsely, wrongfully, for doing something that he did not do. Would you do it? But why do we so often, this is the question we should ask, why do we so often carry the weight of the woes which Jesus has already carried for us? Why do we go about not being victorious in our speech? Regardless of what we're going through, we have already been delivered. We have already been set free. Why do we go about carrying the weight of the woes which Jesus has already carried for us. We were like wandering sheep. We were. We were confused. We were lost. We were undone. We were wretched. And Isaiah 53 reminded us, he said, that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus was oppressed. Jesus was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. No other animal is as prone to stray and be unable to find its way back to the fold than sheep. Isaiah draws a parallel between wandering sheep without a shepherd and we humans who have strayed from God and are without a savior. We are subject to God's judgment. John Calvin said in ourselves we were scattered in Christ we are collected together by nature we wander and are driven headlong toward destruction but in Christ we find the way by which we are led to the gate of life you see Isaiah 53 verse 7 reiterates that Jesus was sorely punished for our sins Yet he did not say a word. He did not rail against God for allowing him to suffer for sins he did not commit. 
nor raise his voice against men who inflicted pain and death upon him without cause. And we often hear this in Christianity, in Christendom, where when we go through a, a, a little situation or a little circumstance, we're ready to blame God. We're ready to blame others. Even when we're innocent, we're ready to complain. God, why am I going through this? God is not my fault. God this, God that, God this. But listen to Jesus' response. He did not open up his mouth. He did not say a word. He took it because he knew the cost. He knew what he was dying for. He did not try to have his own life spared, but voluntarily took upon himself the iniquity of us all. Rather than reviling anyone, Jesus prayed for those who ridiculed him. Have mercy, for they know not what they do. That was his prayer. Have mercy, for they know not what they do. But yet, we're still stiff-necked and stubborn. Most of us are stiff-necked and, and, and stubborn. We prefer to follow our own fancies and turn to our own ways, Philip Keller said. Just as sheep will blindly, habitually, stupidly follow one another along the same little trails until they become ruts that erode into gigantic gullies. So we humans cling to the same habits that we have seen ruin other lives. Why do we do that? We'll go down the same road of destruction as someone else. We'll go down the same road of destruction as our father or our mother or our grandparents or, you know, or our neighbor. Why do we cling to the same habits that we have seen ruin other lives? It's because we are sheep. We blindly, habitually, stupidly follow one another along the same little trails that cause destruction. Isaiah 53 verse 8 and 9 says, He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He had done no violence. He didn't mislead anybody. He wasn't deceptive. If ever there was a miscarriage of justice, it happened in the case of Jesus. Yet, he willingly laid down his life. Nobody could have taken his life except by his own consent. But this does not relieve individuals of their responsibility for such a horrific deed. Jesus was subjected to a speedy trial and hurried off to be crucified. In death, he was treated like a common criminal, hung between two thieves. 
in the minds of those carrying out his execution. It was just part of another day's work. But he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, but with his stripes we were healed. Old Good New by George Sweeting says, Once when Lord Tennyson was on vacation in a country village, he asked an elderly Methodist woman if there was any news. She replied, There was only one piece of news worthy of mentioning, and that was that Christ died for our sins. Tennyson responded, That is old news and good news and new news. That is old news and good news and new news. And the reason why I read that is because oftentimes we hear people say, oh, I've been hearing about this Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and Jesus is coming back again and so forth and so on. We've been hearing that for years. We've been hearing that for centuries. We've been hearing that for decades. We've been hearing that since I was a child. And you hear this constantly, even from Christians. Well, I've been hearing, and so the, the, the seed of doubt, the seed of discord, is now placed, is now set, is now planted in the minds of even our young people. Because now we're saying, well, if we've been hearing about it for so long, is it really true? Did he die on the cross? And there are countless people that are now trying to dispute that. Did he die? Was there a Jesus? Was he the son of God? Is he coming back again? Friends, he was bruised and exalted by God. He did the will of God just for you and me. And we're going to turn it over, senior pastor, bruised and exalted by God. Amen. And I want to go back to something you said that by Philip Keller, pastor. He says, most of all, most of us are a stiff-necked and stubborn lot. We prefer to follow our own fancies and turn, our own, turn to our own ways. Just as sheep will blindly, habitually, stupidly follow one another along the same little trails until they become ruts that road into gigantic gullies or potholes, so we humans cling to the same habits that we have seen ruin others and other people's lives. And it's true that we are like that. But can we come out of that and get into this today? Can we listen to the voice of the Lord, what he's saying to us today? Have not your hearts been opened up to what God is saying can I tell us that nobody owns us? Nobody owns you. Nobody, nobody, nobody controls you. Only Christ is the controlling factor. So stop being stiff-necked and when the Lord speaks, let us do and answer him. Amen. Let us answer him as Samuel did when he told him to go back and lie down. He said, speak, Lord, thy servant hear it. So today, we need to follow that. 
Isaiah 53.10, yet it pleased the Lord. He was bruised and at the same time exalted by God. Bruised and yet at the same time exalted by God. Isn't that wonderful? Bruised. Amen. And some of us who are preachers, we are carrying some bruises from way back when of what we went through because of the gospel. But Jesus was bruised but exalted by God. Verse, chapter 53, verse 10. He was in God's will. And this verse should mean a lot to all of us. Verse 10 says of Isaiah 53, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Let's pause there for a moment. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Remember that he came from heaven leaving all the splendor, leaving his heavenly home, leaving all the glory to come down to be born of a woman, to suffer, to bleed, and die. But yet, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. His one son, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. And that's what he did. He offered his life as a token for us, as a sin sacrifice for us. He who had no sin, we said that earlier. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pledge of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. What is the message of this verse? And the message of this verse is the heart of the gospel. It is one of the most significant truths in the word of God. What does it show here? It shows Jesus' death, not his defeat. Can I say that one more time? I'm having goosebumps all here now. It shows Jesus' death, not his defeat, but his crowning achievement and the path by which lost people find redemption. Your suffering, can I talk to somebody today? Your suffering might be your crowning achievement whatever you're going through at work might be your crowning achievement the lord it pleased the lord to allow you to go through that whatever is happening in your life right now it pleased the lord to allow you to go through that you think he doesn't know you think he doesn't see you think he doesn't understand why you have to go through what you're going through Amen. Jesus received his crowning achievement. He got up out of the grave. Crowning achievement. He set up his church. Crowning achievement. They saw him as he was taken up by a cloud into heaven. And the angel said, Ye men of God, why stand ye gaze up into heaven? This same Jesus, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gaze up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken from you, shall so come in like manner as we see him going to heaven. Yes, my friend, he went up in style. He died. He was marred. He was rejected. But his crowning achievement was when he went up in style and they watched him go up into heaven. The cross, a goal in the heart of God from all eternity, a transaction founded in deep necessity, was in heaven before it was on Calvary. Oh, yes. 
much more was going on on the cross than a human plot. Yes, human plotted because that's what the high priests, they did. They plotted to get rid of Jesus because Jesus told them what they were doing was wrong. He called them dead man bone and white man sepulchre and they didn't like that. He told them that what they were doing was not good. They were not concerned about men. They were more concerned about riches and more concerned about themselves. Kind of like what is going on now in politics. But much more was going on the cross than a human plot. Jesus, amen, was fulfilling God's plan. Jesus was dying to set us free. In the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. But listen to him. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Could we get to that stage that we could say to God, Lord, I don't know who I am going through, all that I'm going through, but I trust you, Lord. I trust you that you are able to keep that which I've committed unto you against that day. I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how you're fighting hard to keep your sanity. Amen. But not my will, but thy will be done. Yes, I want a big house. Yes, I want a nice car. But I'm not going to sacrifice. Oh, praise God. I'm not going to sacrifice my salvation. I am not going to give up what I have and compromise and sell out what I have. I'm going to stick with the Jesus business because at the end, it will be my crowning achievement. I remember Sister Britannia always said that he didn't come to do us harm, but to do us good. And that's what he came for, to do us good. Bear your cross, my friend. Bear it until the end. Bear it until the victory is won. Bear it until he set you free. Bear it until you cross over the swelling tide. Bear it until you hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many. Hear, hear Peter in his sermon on the day of Pentecost. He offered this perspective on Jesus' death. He said, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom? This same Jesus that you slay. This same Jesus that that you, you, you crucified. Oh, God has raised him up. Yes, he did. Oh, the first day of the week. Oh, yes, when Mary went to see the tomb and saw the angel, and he said, Why seek ye the dead among the living? He's not here, but he's risen from the dead. Yes, my friends, he raised. God raised him up. Raised, raised him up from death. Raised him up from the grave. Isaiah showed that after his death and resurrection, Jesus would see the fulfillment of his mission, the conversation of his seed, or descendants 
who are his descendants, you and I. Who are his descendants? You and I, who are called by the name of God. We will reap the benefit. Oh, I hear Paul says, oh, yes, that after this life is over, oh, yes, my friends, we will receive him. Oh, death, in 1 Corinthians 15, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? But thanks be to God who give us the victory to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, by the grace of God, we can join that happy group. We are saved by faith through the grace of God. Somebody said, by the grace of God, I am saved. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By the grace of God, I am saved. Thank God for grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Can I encourage you to make sure that your will is God's will? That God's will is your will. Can I implore you this morning to make sure whatever you're doing, whatever you're saying, that it is God's will in work, that it's God's will for you to work there? Uh, it might not work out the way you expect it, but it's the will of God in marriage, that it is God's will. Don't just take up anybody. Oh, take somebody that it is God's will for you to do. I say once again, it might not be riches, it might not be so, it might be suffering, but it's the will of God. Make sure that we stay in God's will. May the Lord bless you, Pastor Ho. Can you take the rest of this lesson? Praise the Lord. Satisfactory accomplishment. Still in Isaiah. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and I'm glad you said that, Senior Pastor, because I think... Um, well, actually, I know that there are people that only come to Jesus for the fish and the bread. There are some that are only following him because of the blessings. And that's unfortunate. Because there are times when he's going to call you to suffer. Amen. And that's hard. That's hard to accept. That's such a loving God, such a, a God that is the creator of the universe would call little old me to suffer. Yes, there are times when he will cause you, call you to suffer. He will allow you to be in a position of suffering so that he can be glorified. And this is what happened to Jesus, his very own son. He was called to suffer so that he can be glorified and we Amen. can be redeemed. Yes, sir. Isaiah fifty three eleven. he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Remember I said earlier that his death allowed us to be justified. He bestowed on us his righteousness so that we can be justified. Amen. So that we can be made right with God. Jesus' anguish, which included his death, was followed by his resurrection. He enjoys the blessed 
fruit of his labors and suffering as God's plan of salvation is made available to all people. His travail behind him. Jesus sees what his suffering and death have accomplished, and he is satisfied. satisfied. When Amen. he ponders the millions of individuals who experience saving grace because of his obedience, he is satisfied. His doing, he was doing the will of God. His victory must fill him with overwhelming joy because he was victorious, victorious over sin victorious over the grave, victorious over hell. He was victorious. Isaiah 53, verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. We talked about this earlier. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the very transgressors who killed him. Amen. Luke 23, verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was interceding on behalf of his accusers. He was interceding on behalf of those who executed him, his executioners. He, re- he was interceding on behalf of those who had set all manner of evil against him. But listen to what Jesus said. And I'm reading from the, from the complete Jewish Bible. Matthew 5, verse 11 and 12 says how blessed you are when people insult you and persecute you and tell all kinds of vicious lies about you because you follow me. Rejoice. Be glad because your reward in heaven is great. So don't worry about those people who insult you and persecute you and lie about you. Rejoice. Be glad because your reward in heaven is great. And oh, by the way, they persecuted the prophets before you anyway. In the same manner, they insulted them, they persecuted them, they lied about them. What makes you and I any different? We must learn to rejoice and be glad in the suffering that God has called us to. We must learn to be rejoice and be glad in the things that we have to go through here on earth because our reward in heaven is great. And that's what we want to close with today. Our reward in heaven is great. Today's scripture leaves us speechless. I mean, it literally leaves us speechless when we understand the full scope of what Jesus did for us. It offers a complete narrative of what Christ accomplished on the cross. It shows how his substitutionary death satisfied the righteous demands God made regarding punishment for sin, making redemption possible 
for all who believe on him, for you and for me. It made redemption possible because we were the irredeemables. We were beyond help. With his suffering behind him, not only is Jesus interceding for ungodly people all over the world and saving those who receive him as their savior, he is also pleading the case for the righteous as he sits at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for you. He's pleading our case before the Father. And he's asking, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Senior Pastor, can you close us out in prayer? Thank the Lord for this lesson today. I think our hearts have been stirred. And as Pastor Ho said, um, when we started this lesson, he says that what a good lesson to start here. And we see Christ's love for us. And that's what it is, Christ's love for God so loved the world. Love prompts action. And this reflects what God did for us in the incarnation. Because of love and for the sake of restoring relationship, God in the person of Jesus came near, came near to you. And he tells us that as we delight in the Lord, he awakened desires within us that reflect his heart. True praise, praise with an active faith, that is greater than only emotion is a daring thing. It challenges us to leave all parts of the human heart behind and reach for something beyond ourselves. Leave parts of the human heart behind as we are challenged and reach for something beyond ourselves, giving ourselves up to God. Praising God doesn't come naturally to me. My struggle is with self a dangerous current that runs strong and deep in my heart. Sure, the Bible tells me to always be joyful, never stop praying. That is God's will, that I be thankful in all circumstances. Take delight in him today, my friend. And may the Lord bless you as we live out this lesson in 2021. It's a good way to start. And I hope we will take this with us through 21. Let us bow our heads. And let us pray together this morning. Let's pray for those who are sad. Let's pray for those who don't know the love of Christ. Let us challenge everyone this year to live a better life for the Lord. Nobody knows. We might think we have a lot of time and we have a lot of years. But nobody knows, only God. He holds the future in his hand. Remember that friendship is a two-way street. Oh, praise the Lord. Father, we come to you this day. We have declared your words. We have said what does say the word of the Lord. We have opened up, oh God, to your people the bread of life. We have said what Isaiah said. We have said what Peter and all the 
Paul and all the other apostles have said about you. And today we praise your name. Today we glorify you. Help us to draw near to you today with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, cleansed from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us all fast and servingly, unwavering to the hope we possess, for he who promised is faithful. Oh God, we remember how much our sins cost you, but help us to be a better friend to you. Oh God, help us, Lord, that we will reach out and touch you as you pass by. We confess today our sins and our unrighteousness. We see what sin has done to us. Sin has drained our strength. Sin has uh, caused us to waste away from within. Oh, our sins pile up so high that sometimes we can't see our way out. But we pray today that through your love and your mercy, oh God, that we will find joy, we will find peace, we will find understanding, we will find salvation. Oh, we sing today on a hill far away to an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I cling to the whole rugged cross. We are clinging to the cross, the cross upon which Jesus died. Oh, yes, my friends, is a shelter in which we can hide. Help us to hide in you today. Help us to find peace this first day of first Sunday of 2021. Help us to find peace. Help us to find consolation. Help us to find all riches in you today. Help us to realize that there is no other part but the part of Jesus Christ. Because every way out leads to destruction. But the part of Christ leads to peace and understanding and wisdom and true wealth. Bless us today. Some don't understand. We pray that you will open up our understanding. And those who are struggling to serve you, oh, the devil is fighting us. Oh, yes, he's fighting us from head to toe. Oh, yes, but we pray in the name of Jesus that you who had tread the wine press before, you are able to keep that which we have committed unto you against that day. Keep us today. Oh, God, keep us today. Help us today and help us to walk with you. Help us to walk before you and be perfect. Forgive us of all our past sins and our trespasses and help us to please you in all that we do as we spread the word. Oh, yes, my God, help us today that we will love you, that we will serve you until death do part and until we see your face. May we be conscious of the fact that we are your people. We are your children. Thank you today. Thank you for helping us to see a new year. Thank you for helping us to see a new day. Thank you for helping us to see a new week. Thank you for helping us to see a new month. And we pray that you will keep that which we have committed unto you 
against that day. We pray for the sick. We pray for the wounded. We pray for the oppressed. We pray for everyone today who needs you. Those who have an answered prayer, I pray today that they will wait on you. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Thank you, Lord. We bless you today and we glorify you. In the mighty name of Jehovah, we pray. Amen and amen.